Hello everyone, and thank you for joining me for this podcast all about the hidden dangers of vaping. It was actually a lesson that I taught about smoking and the effects on gas exchange that made me think a little more about vaping. Vaping is seen by many as the safer alternative, let's say. In fact, that statement is not true in any sense of the word. It isn't safer, which is why I was so surprised to see on the official NHS website an article about using e-cigarettes to stop smoking. Now, anything in my mind that helps someone to quit smoking is a good thing. But here's my issue. At the start of the article, it states that e-cigarettes are far less harmful than cigarettes. That's just not true. Sorry to disappoint any vapors out there listening to this podcast, but that just simply isn't true. And you don't have to take my word for it. There's plenty of research out there to suggest otherwise, and I'll be explaining why in this podcast. But vaping is inherently popular right now. And in fact, just one week before I recorded this very podcast, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, authorised e-cigarette products for use in the United States for the first time ever, saying, and I quote, that the benefit to adults trying to quit smoking outweighs risk to young. Now, whatever your opinion on that, let's get into the crux of this podcast and the hidden dangers of vaping. So to start with, let's cover the basics and what vaping actually is. Vaping is the act of inhaling vapours produced by any kind of e-cigarette or personal vaporizer. Users basically load a liquid solution containing their drug of choice into the device. When they draw on the device, the battery heats the liquid, which is then atomized into an inhalable vapour. E-cigarettes are rapidly changing products that have evolved since first entering the market in about 2006. Advanced tank systems can produce more and hotter aerosol and may deliver nicotine more effectively and consistently than earlier generation uh, e-cigarettes. They have removable, modifiable parts or mods that allow users to change components of their device to alter the amount of aerosol that's produced. In fact, there's a whole range of e-cigarettes that you can buy. There's the cigar-like disposables, one-time use and look pretty much like cigarettes. There's cigarette likes, which, as the name suggests, look like cigarettes. They're replaceable and they have pre-filled cartridges for what's called e-juice. More of that in just a moment. There's vape pens, so pen-style devices that can be refilled with e-juice. And, as I mentioned before, the advanced tank system, so box-like or sort of tubular devices that can be refilled with this e-juice and have these modifiable settings. Just to be clear, so when I say e-juice, I'm referring to a propylene glycol and or glycerin flavouring. And there are literally thousands of flavours like fruit, candy, mint, coffee, Belgian waffle even. Now, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't walked past someone vaping and found myself enjoying the scent coming from it. Now, let's just be clear, though, that doesn't mean I want to start vaping. It could mean I just want to go out and buy a Belgian waffle. There's a few other devices that are worth mentioning at this stage as well. There's the e-hookers, essentially the same as e-cigarettes, marketed with designs that reflect the hookah culture. There's heated tobacco products, where it's like heat not burned. The user basically just heats tobacco to high temperatures using battery-powered heating systems that create aerosols. 
and you can also get hold of cannabis vaporizers that heat either leaf cannabis or cannabis oil to a temperature that creates aerosol. It's not usually interchangeable with e-cigarettes, but some e-cigarettes can be modified to vape cannabis. Now, irrespective of the device that's being used, their use is growing in many countries around the world. In fact, it's estimated that between 5 and 7% of adults in England alone vape. So what does vaping do to our bodies? Well, let's start with the flavourings in the e-cigarette vapour, or more specifically, diacetyl. Diacetyl is added to food to produce a nice buttery taste, and it's perfectly harmless when ingested this way. The issue is that when it's heated up and then inhaled, diacetyl is not so benign. Inhaling it over a long period has been specifically linked to bronchiolitis obliterans, or popcorn lung. And the name, I mean, the name really suggests what happens to your lungs, really. I mean, it couldn't be more explicit. This may, in some cases, actually develop to a stage where the lung transplant is the only viable option. It's also the cause of other serious lung conditions, including acute respiratory distress syndrome, or ARDS. Now, in this life-threatening condition, fluid builds up in the alveoli and can actually prevent effective gas exchange. Then there's the particulate matter, often at levels comparable to cigarette smoke, and they can increase the risk of heart disease, lung cancer, and asthma attacks, and can interfere with general lung function. We've got the metals, so we've got lead, chromium, nickel, copper, aluminium, and mercury exposure, all of which have a variety of negative health effects, including brain damage and, again, cancer. There's the nitrosamines. Tobacco-specific nitrosamines are compounds found in cigarettes that again cause cancer and malignancies. And the carbonyls, chemicals like formaldehyde, which again potentially can cause cancers. But here, let's not forget that e-cigarette vapour can also just cause a myriad of other more general things, lightheadedness, eye irritation, throat irritation, headaches, dizziness, coughing, vomiting, nausea through poisoning. But what's shocking and what people often forget is that e-cigarettes can cause injuries. Defective batteries have caused fires and explosions. I mentioned the hooker device earlier on. Hookers are water pipes that are used to smoke specially made tobacco that come in different flavours. They're becoming increasingly popular among teens and young adults. But again, what people don't realise is that even after it has been passed through water, the tobacco smoke in a hookah pipe contains high levels of cancer-causing chemicals or carcinogens. Smoke inhaled in a typical one-hour session can equal 100 cigarettes or more. Dripping is a more labour-intensive method of vaping, in which the user rather manually applies a few drops of liquid directly to the exposed heating coil of the e-cigarette every so, well, every sort of few puffs. Now, one in four teenagers who vape say they've actually used this method. Dripping produces thicker clouds of vapour. It gives a stronger sensation in the throat, and it makes the flavours supposedly taste better. That's according to the Journal of Pediatrics. So think of it like a kettle, and rather than boiling water and pouring out the kettle, imagine if you had just the top lifted up and you poured water directly onto the heating element and it instantly vaporised. That's kind of how dripping 
is, I guess. Well, dripping generates a higher heating coil temperature than conventional use of e-cigarettes. So as you can imagine, it leads to greater emissions of a class of harmful chemicals which are associated with cancer, but also of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD. Now that includes bronchitis, so bacterial infections of the bronchi, and emphysema. In COPD, the flow of air through the lungs is restricted and eventually obstructed. Essentially, lung damage triggers neutrophils to increase in number to fight infection. Neutrophils cause further damage as they secrete elastase, a protease enzyme which, as the name suggests, digests elastin. Now, without elastin, the walls of the alveoli break down and they lose their ability to stretch and to recoil. The distance between the remaining alveoli and the blood capillaries becomes larger and that creates irreversible damage. Just going back a moment, just a quick reminder about the e-liquid or the e-juice. As I said before, the main ingredients are propylene glycol or PG and usually vegetable glycerin, which we shorten to VG, usually with water-soluble food flavourings. Now, that's often with or without nicotine and THC. The reason I want to just go back to that for a moment is to talk about the PG or the propylene glycol because that can too irritate the lungs and the eyes. And it's actually made, it's thought to be more harmful to people with chronic lung diseases like asthma and emphysema. Nicotine exposure during adolescence causes long-term structural and functional changes in the brain. Handling liquid exposes teens to direct skin contact with nicotine, which is absorbed rapidly through human skin. And we already know it can harm cognitive functions like working memory, and attention span. Nicotine is ultimately a neurotoxin, so it affects synaptic transmission. Just something interesting about viruses in relation to the respiratory system as well. Smoking is known to increase the chances of being affected by viruses which attack the lungs. For instance, a smoker has a, it's a roughly about 34% higher probability of getting flu compared to non-smokers. It's also believed that smoking can cause a receptor called ACE2 or ACE2 to become more prevalent, especially in the lung tissue. Now, the ACE2 receptor is the place where two dangerous viruses bind, SARS-CoV-V and human respiratory coronavirus NL638. Now, these viruses cause symptoms which affect the respiratory system and can lead to deadly pneumonia. What if it is also, though, the binding site for SARS-CoV-2, the virus that's called COVID-19? Well, scientists are now, in fact, researching this, and they have not ruled out that vaping will have the same effect. Now, I've mentioned a number of times about the links between vaping and cancer in this podcast, and that's what I'd like to just focus on at this part. So... The genotoxic compounds in e-cigarettes that I've mentioned, things like heavy metals, nitrosamines, the volatile organic compounds, nicotine, and also the polyaromatic hydrocarbons, all of those can lead to, ultimately, cancer or what we call malignant transformation. I just want to go into a bit more detail about why that is the case. Well, if there is anything wrong with our DNA within a cell, there's a process called apoptosis. The cell basically goes into like self-destruct mode. But the mechanism for DNA repair malfunctions when exposed to these genotoxic compounds. 
So what you ultimately end up with is an increased risk of malignant transformation. And similarly, cell cycle dysfunction can result in malignant transformation. When we look at the cell cycle, and I've done a number of podcasts that reference cell cycle and malignancy, we ultimately have an altered G1 and G2 phase. They go into early arrest. Now, they're the growth phases. That will trigger apoptosis, or this programmed cell death, but also necrosis and cell and tissue death. DNA fragmentation can occur, and that too can lead to malignant transformation. Heavy metal contaminants can damage the mitochondria and lead to mitochondrial dysfunction. And some of you listening may, if you've studied this topic, may know what the ETC is, the electron transport chain. Uh, You tend to cover this in topics when you look at respiration and uh, photosynthesis specifically. Now, e-cigarette aerosols actually damage proteins in the electron transport chain. They cause electron transport chain dysfunction. It leads to genotoxicity. It leads to inflammation. And all of those, again, contribute contribute rather to the formation of malignant tumours. So let's consider this for a moment. What really are the options for protecting society? What can, what can we actually do? Well, one of the problems with making decisions about vaping is that there is no substantial study on the impact that they have on long-term health. In England, again, for example, between uh, 2016 and 2020, so I've got a four-year period there, there were only 84 reports of adverse reactions from vaping. Now, whilst that clearly isn't conclusive evidence that vaping uh, has triggered these adverse reactions, it is nevertheless a serious cause for concern. One area of real concern is the vast increase in advertising of vaping products, which clearly target young people. Armed with the belief that vaping is less harmful than smoking, young people are drawn to vaping by its cheaper cost, certainly compared to smoking, its lack of smell, and a variety of the appealing flavours that we mentioned earlier. Another concern is the selling of unregulated vaping products. These may be cheaper, but they're also more likely to be contaminated and cause adverse reactions, some of which may be fatal. The vaping industry needs strict regulation. In the UK, it's illegal to sell vaping products to anyone under the age of 18. Perhaps, and this is only really a perhaps, users should only use regulated vaping products and aim only to stop smoking. But really, until there's clear evidence that vaping is a successful way to quit smoking, we shouldn't be promoting it as a safe alternative. The big question is, are young people starting to vape who would never potentially have smoked because of the heavy promotion and the marketing and the advertising that is relentless on social media. Well, I think that really the main message is, if you've never smoked, just don't stop vaping. Let me know your thoughts at kytosbiology at gmail.com. Do get in touch if you have any questions. And all that's left for me to say is a big thank you to everybody out there for listening. Until next time.